Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And as usual, sitting across from me is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Change the scheme, alter the mood, electrify the boys and girls, if you'd be so kind. All right, then. Yeah, I have to say, he, he's got the uh, the presentation down, at least I think so. <laughs> Thank you. You can't see it, so you guys yeah, are missing There was out. a lot of arm gestures in there. I was, there, there I was, there, there was a little, there was a little flailing, <laughs> um, but I was, not, I was not all lit up for that particular quote. So if you know where that quote comes from, you know why I said that. But we're going to talk about something actually a little serious, uh, actually quite a bit serious today. Um, something that has been in the news recently at, at the time of uh, the recording of this podcast, which is very early February 2011. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is the idea of an internet kill switch. Some sort of ability for a person or government or organization to shut down the internet, or at least our access to the internet. Right. Now, what spurred this was the events in Egypt. 
that are going on as uh, Jonathan and I are actually recording this. Um, I'm sure by the time you are will be listening to this, the the fallout will still be uh, you know relevant to what's going on. Sure. But one of the things, uh, if you are uh, not paying attention to uh, current events in the world right now, you may be unaware that um, there have been in late January and early February 2011 a series of protests by people who have been asking the Egyptian president, Hosni Mubarak, to step down from office. Um, he uh, he has, as of this point, been in office for more than 30 years, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, took office after uh, the president, Anwar Sadat, was assassinated, uh, which I remember from my grade school days. Um, so, um, you know, you may be saying, what does this have to do with technology? Well, in, an order, in order to prevent... Uh, the ability of people who are protesting the government's uh, really, really protesting and asking Mubarak to step down uh, from organizing using Internet-based tools such as social networking sites, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Um, the Egyptian government basically shut off access to the Internet um, to people within the country. Now, there was one network that stayed up a little longer uh, than the rest. Uh, I believe it was the Nor Group was able to uh, provide Internet access a little bit after that, but they, they eventually went dark as well. And they, the, the Internet was down for about five days within, right. within Egypt. Um, and uh, the reason... This is uh, the reason this is valid to um, many of us who are listening in the United States. Um, it had been proposed, I guess, really 2010, mm-hmm. the possibility that uh, to prevent uh, cyber attacks on certain infrastructure, uh, electronic infrastructure in the United States, that the president of the United States would be given the ability to shut down parts of the internet within the comp- the country right theoretically right now the question is can that really be done right so let's let's clear up a couple of things because uh, obviously the case in Egypt got a lot of people worried because the thought was well what if our government what if the United States government uh, of course Chris and I are in the United States so that's why when mm-hmm. I say our government I'm talking about them uh, what if what if the government for some reason wanted to try and suppress civilian communication uh would this give them give the government the power specifically the president the power to to make communication lines go dark mm-hmm. and it you know it's a scary thought because so much of what we do now depends upon the internet in one way or another it may not even directly depend on it but indirectly it will yes and uh so People have gotten really sensitive about the subject. Uh, the government, for its part, has said that a lot of the fear is based upon misinterpretations of the the proposed act, uh, which is uh, called the Protecting Cyberspace as a National Asset Act of 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was introduced by Joseph Lieberman. Yes. And it was introduced originally in June of, of 2010. It has since undergone uh, revisions, which somewhat define some of the terms to a greater extent Mm -hmm. uh, because the original act had some loose language in it that definitely had people scared. Yeah, yeah. 
but like Chris was saying, the, the intent of the act, at least as it is worded, is not to use, be able to manipulate the Internet in order to uh, hamper communication among citizens or to infringe upon uh, First Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. It is, as he was saying, to protect our infrastructure in the case of a cyber attack. Right. I think people have interpreted that to mean that uh, citizens living within the United States would not be able to access the Internet at all anymore. Right. And I think the if I have read the act correctly, what the uh, the intent is actually to shut down links to certain infrastructure items from the Internet. So it wouldn't keep people off the Internet. It would say if you had a, an electric, you know, electric station that were connected to the Internet, it would shut access off between the electric, the electric uh, generating station and the Internet so that it could not be reached um, that way. Now, I mean, that's that's the way I've I've read it. As a matter of fact, um, uh, Senator Lieberman and ranking member Susan Collins and Senator Tom Carper uh, actually released a statement on February 1st about, uh, you know, drawing the parallel between the situation in Egypt and this act. And they denounced the, uh, the Mubarak government's actions in shutting down all internet communications in Egypt. Um, and, Attempted to clarify on that. And for, for instance, they, they mentioned that the Communications Act of 1934 um, does give the president some control over uh, radio communications providers right. and wire providers. Right. Uh, they're, uh, they're, say wire, people don't exactly. really use it that way, but yeah. Yeah, their, their point was that the that act, the 1934 um, act, was would give the president such broad powers mm-hmm. as to in effect, allow the president to do what we're talking about right now, which yeah. is, is control or shut down sections of the Internet um, under certain situations. Right. Uh, and so communications channels. Right. Yeah. Right. And and part of that depends upon you interpreting the act to extend to Internet communication. I mean, it's it's not as I mean, clearly when the when it was written in 1934, it was not about the Internet. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was about telegraphs and telephone lines mainly um the to 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 extend it to the internet now would require a little bit of interpretation and i'm right. sure you would have people challenging saying oh sure this goes beyond the intent of the original act but intent and letter sometimes get a little muddied in these situations mm-hmm. so lieberman's point was that the the asset act was really to to define the limitations and the specific situations in which the president could uh, use this power, as opposed to the 1934 one, which was much more broad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, uh, specifically uh, the bill, at least according to the, the statement and the, the clarification that I was speaking of just a moment ago, um, they, they issued a series of, of clarifications, one being that it's supposed to be the most critical uh, assets available to the internet, including infrastructure to run the country and the economy. Yeah. I, also, it has to be. I'm sorry. No, no. I was going to say I actually have the definition for that because it comes from the U.S. Patriot Act. Okay. Uh, the the critical infrastructure is defined in this 
way. It says, the term critical infrastructure means systems and assets, whether physical or virtual, so vital to the United States that the incapacity or destruction of such systems and assets would have a debilitating impact on security, national economic security, national public health or safety, or any combination of those matters. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the the Asset Act that Lieberman introduced mm-hmm. further defines it and actually adds in some stuff that made some people nervous, including... Sure. Uh, information providers, yeah, which could essentially be ISPs. ISPs. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, he went on in the statement to uh, to say that it would require the president to, uh, if there was an ongoing or imminent attack, that's a quote, um, that could cause national or regional catastrophic events. That's the kind of thing that would. Uh, have to be going on for the president to use this power. And uh, he or she, the president, um, in this case, President Obama, but whomever after later on down the road, assuming this stays in in place, Mm -hmm. would have to use the least disruptive means feasible. Again, I quote, Um, they would have to notify Congress um, and wouldn't be able to be continued for more than 120 days without approval yeah, 30, from Congress. 30-day blocks up to 120 days, mm-hmm. and then at that point you must have congressional approval to continue it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bill also, uh, they, according to the statement, uh, specifically forbids actions that would violate the First Amendment and uh, would not prevent internet traffic, email, and other forms of communication unless they're involved with critical infrastructure. So if you were, you were IMing a friend on, uh, you know, a social, a typical social network, that would not be considered critical infrastructure. You right. should theoretically, um, be able to continue to do that. Yeah. You should still be able to use things like Facebook or Twitter to, yeah. to organize groups and to, you know, do whatever it is you want to do to have those, those peaceable, uh, Public gatherings, that kind of thing. The uh, another element I remember reading about was that uh, it, when we're talking critical infrastructure, the the example they use was mm-hmm. Hoover Dam. Yes, right. Yes, uh, but yeah, that's what we're really talking about. When we're talking about critical infrastructure, we're talking about things like power grids, uh, water supply, water supply, nuclear power plants, mm-hmm. the military the, infrastructure, military infrastructures. Yes. Stuff that, were it to be compromised, would mean a terrible, terrible outcome for the citizens of the United States of America. Right. I, I assume they would also, when they mention economy, we're talking about things like Wall Street, uh, the stock exchanges, right. things like that. They would want to be careful to protect that infrastructure as well. And if we apply a little critical thinking to the situation and really think about, you know, is is this... Is what the government is telling us, is that really what they mean? Like, in other words, does it really, you know, because, of course, we should be skeptical. We should question our government, but not blindingly, right? We shouldn't just uh, assume that what they're telling us is a fib, but we should definitely um, look into it to learn more. Right. Mm -hmm. And so part of looking into it means, all right, well, do do I believe that the government would not abuse this power in such a way to somehow, like, let's say... Let's say the WikiLeaks. Sure. Let's say that um, the government decides, hey, you know what? WikiLeaks is uh, is creating a, a a true danger to national security. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is now command all IS, ISPs in the United States to block WikiLeaks so that people in the United States can no longer access it. 
that's that's something that people were worried about. Well, under this act, at least in theory, you would not be able to do that unless there were a real perceived threat, mm-hmm. like an actual cybersecurity attack right. going on uh, that involved WikiLeaks in some way. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you would not be allowed to just tell all the ISPs to block it. That doesn't mean that an ISP couldn't choose to block it. Right. I mean, they, they can because those are private companies, right? Mm-hmm. One of the criticisms I've seen of this had nothing to do with um, the the potential violation of First Amendment rights. It mm-hmm. had more to do with why is it the government telling private businesses how to protect themselves when private businesses are decades ahead of the government as far as cybersecurity is concerned? Mm-hmm. Which, that that's a viable question. I mean, you the the... The kind of extreme case that I've seen is saying, how can the lawyers and the politicians who are part of Homeland Security, who have no experience in IT security at all, how can they expect to improve our practices when we do this for a living? Right. This is how we build our business. This is how we provide our services. We know how to do this. How is someone else who has no experience in this going to help? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a that's a legitimate question. You could ask, well, why does the president need this power in the first place? Because let's say that you are an engineer at Hoover Dam mm-hmm. and you detect that there is some sort of cyber intruder or uh, a threat to the infrastructure, the computer infrastructure at Hoover Dam. There's a pretty good chance that engineer is going to say, you know what, we need to shut this down. We have to close off our our our. Uh, Ports, portals to the outside world as far as the, the virtual por- portals are concerned and, mm-hmm. and take care of this problem. Why is there a need for a, a government intervention? And that's a good question to ask. You know, that's, that's probably a more appropriate question to ask rather than is the government going to shut down Facebook? Mm-hmm. Because uh, that's less likely to happen. And I'll, I think that, again, when you think about this critically, the government taking strides to say shut down the internet let's let's take the most extreme case right that the government for some reason has decided to shut down uh, our access to the internet so that no one in the united states can now get on uh, any sort of internet service mm-hmm. um, there would be chaos yeah. and there would be there you would not so- solve any problems that way right right that would just create even more anger and distrust in the public. I don't I can't imagine any sane government official saying this is a good idea because there's very little chance that a positive outcome will will happen as a result of it. Right. And I think I think to some degree we've seen that in what happened in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um not only that, but people in Egypt found unique ways to continue getting their message across. Sure. Um, I, I was doing some reading in preparation for the, the podcast about some of the things that they were doing. Um, you know, they were using, they were initially using the tools that, that so many of us use, uh, uh, different messaging um, and social networking tools. Uh, but when the internet blockage came down, um, as a matter of fact, I, I was reading a, a uh, an article by Eleanor Mills, who wrote that on January 26th, one of the uh, CNET writers. And um, she said that uh, people were using, you know, regular phones, uh, fax machines, ham radio. Remember, we did our, our podcast on, on ham radio some time ago now. Um, you know, 
even dial-up modem usage started to go up again. So uh, so people had uh, had access to those tools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they didn't shut down the phone networks, just the internet. Uh, at least I didn't read anything that indicated that they shut down the traditional uh, phone networks. And in addition, uh, Google and Twitter um, started a service for uh, posting tweets without an internet connection. Basically, uh, speak to tweet allowed people to say what they wanted to say, and it would uh, it would transfer it to a Twitter message with the hashtag Egypt uh, added on to the end of it. Right. So it, uh, you know, outside organizations were actually helping protesters get the word out. So, I mean, I think it would be very difficult um, to shut it down completely. And in some cases, too, I believe they were using mesh networks. Right. Um, which I can't remember if we've ever mentioned that on the podcast, but we definitely need to do something on that because I think it's really cool. So, uh, one laptop per child also uses mesh networks. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sort of ad hoc uh, networks, usually wireless yep. networks, if I'm not mistaken. Um and uh, they don't use the typical infrastructure. In a lot of cases, places like uh, well, in places where they use the one laptop per child uh, product, um, we're talking about places that don't have that infrastructure in place. They don't have uh, hardwired phone lines and cable connections. Um, so they use these uh, local networks, local uh, internet network networks that aren't actually connected to the internet, but they are a, a small wireless network. Um, I shouldn't have used internet in that case. Right. But uh, but yeah, I mean, people were, were communicating using those as well. So I don't think even if the government shut everything down, I don't think it would uh, – the, tr- the traditional infrastructure, I don't think it would take long before people found new ways to get in touch with one another, especially considering the tools we've been given. And – Further, another point I would po- I would suggest that mm-hmm. says the government would be very uh, reticent to to take such an extreme action as to shut down the internet. So you've already got the one case where you know you would infuriate your citizens. Yes, and you don't really want to do that. There's really yeah. How would you make things better after that? Yeah, right. Especially like, if ostensibly your goal is eventually to come out of this with a peaceful resolution. You would you would essentially end up losing the trust of the citizens. And mm-hmm. in a representative government, that means that your government's no longer valid. Yep. If the citizens no longer trust in the government that represents them, um, you know, assuming that you continue to be a democracy, mm-hmm. that pretty much means you have guaranteed you are out the door um, as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. In fact, probably before even elections would roll around. So that's one part. But another part is the fact that so many businesses rely upon the internet. Yes, uh, particularly in the United States, but all around the world. And of course, you know, the internet has made the 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 world a, a you know a global a true global economy. Mm-hmm. So you've got businesses that are centered in America that would be deeply affected, but you've got businesses in other countries as well that have interests in America. They yeah. have um, they have infrastructure in America that would be very much affected by the internet being shut down within the the borders of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. You're talking about losing billions of dollars worth of revenue and and doing intense economic damage. In fact, one might be able to argue that shutting down the internet would cause more damage economically than if you had let the internet stay up. 
mm-hmm. right? Like that, you know, one of the guidelines to this act is that you would only invoke it if there were an imminent threat to national economic security. Well, if you were to shut down the whole internet, you would create that threat, actually. Uh, so, that's the other reason I don't think it's very likely to happen in the United States. That doesn't mean that we wouldn't see this act uh, put into to place or even taken advantage of. It's just that I think we would be more likely to see it the way that we're told it's intended, mm-hmm. right? So that if there were a concentrated attack, say, on the Pentagon, mm-hmm. that the president would have the authority to tell Pentagon officials, all right, close off all routes to the Internet right. until we resolve this. Uh, again, you could argue, why does this even need to be a presidential thing? But you could also argue, well, there. what if you have some company that is, or or some person, some organization that is in some way uh, partnering mm-hmm. with these attacks? That, you know, maybe it's not that they're the victim, but uh, are rather a conspirator, you yes. know, a co-conspirator. Well, in that case, you do have to maybe rely on a higher authority than just the company head to take uh, to take take control of the situation and to to try and limit whatever harm could come of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's still scary. Yeah, you know, you see, we've seen this happen before, not just in Egypt. We also in uh, Iran, mm-hmm. we saw it um, a, f- a couple of years ago. Yes, where uh, there were the Iranian protests. Also, uh, a lot of people were were trying to. Um, uh, Organized through Twitter and Facebook, and we saw that uh, the Iranian government tried to um, confuse the issue as much as possible. Yes, uh, or at least those were the allegations. Right. I mean, I, it's hard for me to say I don't, I can't understand the language, so I have to rely upon the reports I'm seeing. And some of the reports were not necessarily the most unbiased, so it's right. hard for me to draw my conclusions. But that's based upon the information that I encountered. Yeah, it's um, it, it definitely shows how dependent we are on the internet for all kinds of things. the The outcry over something like this would not have been nearly as serious in say 1994 as yeah. it is now, because so many people uh, are are you know use the the internet for communication, keeping up with friends and family, um, and uh, and for commerce. Um, that you know we've we've come to expect that it's uh, you know I've actually heard the the uh, the idea thrown out in the last few days that internet access may be considered a human right yeah which is a, a wow that's that's sort of a topic for another podcast really but you know I again I don't think this would have even been considered a few years ago and now the idea that you might have a right to access this. Uh, you know, amazing communications tool that we all use now. Um, you know, it, it's funny because I wouldn't have necessarily thought of that just a few years ago, but now so many people are relying on it that, that it is a, a reasonable debate to have whether or not it's a, um, an, a human right to have that kind of access. But mm-hmm. these tools have also made it possible for, uh, protesters and demonstrators, whether they are peaceful or violent, to organize in ways that they haven't been before. So it's scary for governments, too. Sure. I mean, the uh, Iranian government had a hard time because the mobs, or it wasn't, uh, it wasn't in Iran, it was, uh, where was it, Belarus? 
that was even before that where mobs would gather by text message. They would say, okay, be at the square at 12.07. It was a true flash mob. It was a flash mob. People would show up. They would start to protest. The authorities would come to crack crack down on them, and they would have already disseminated the location of the next gathering. So by the time the authorities converged on the area, they were gone. The protesters had gone. They had converged on a new area. And they were cont- they were able to stay one or maybe even five steps of the authorities by using these tools. It, it, it makes sense that a government would want to be able to do that in those instances. So that, I think, too, is why it seems scary because people go, yeah, you know what? They might want to do that. And what if they do it to me? I don't want that to happen. Yeah, we, we've seen the precedent, which is what sure. makes it scary. But you uh, see, I, I could see the other side why they would want to. Certainly. I, it, it is definitely a, a scary threat. It's one of those that the more you think about, the more you realize it's less likely to happen in the United States. Now, I'll, I will never say it's impossible. No, I don't. Right? I don't think it's impossible anywhere. It but... would be, it would be monumentally surprising to me if it did happen in the United States. Yeah. Simply for the reasons I stated before, which is that I think essentially you would have to have a president who is saying, you know what, we're I'm just I'm going to discard the entire American system of government for this to work. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise, you're, like I said, you're going to end up voting everyone out mm-hmm. as soon as possible if you felt like you've been betrayed, right? Right. So uh, in a democracy, this kind of approach doesn't really work. If you want to read the bill, it's actually available online. Mm-hmm. Um, it is 410 pages long. Yeah. The first 197 pages of that have been struck through. I, I do think that, um, yeah, I, I think that, in light of recent events in Egypt and some of the other countries in the Middle East where, uh, I mean, the, the Tunisian uh, protests, I think, have sort of helped uh, some momentum in that regard. I think that uh, it may cause people to give this bill another look, uh, either, you know, go through and revise it again uh, or strike it down and, and start over from scratch. Yeah. But... um I, I, I think it's one of those things where an actual real-life event or a series of events may add some perspective. Yeah, if you want to read it, it's uh, it's S period 3480. That is the, the number associated with this particular act. Um, and it's... Uh, it's long, you know, and it's and it's full of legalese because I mean it's you know you got to remember we got lawyers running this country so that'll happen at any rate. Uh, but it's it's good to actually be aware of what's happening and and like Chris said there have been a um, there's actually been a couple of documents that have come out trying to um, clear up matters about this act and what is covered versus what isn't covered. Uh, you were talking about one that was released in February, correct? Yes. Uh, the one I have was actually released back in, in June of, of 2010. It's yep. called Myth versus Reality. Exactly. They keep having to clear up a lot of the uh, issues. I'm sure they use a lot of the same verbiage because it's the yeah. same questions over and over. And, I'm sure. And that, I mean, it's a very emotionally charged topic. So Absolutely. So it's, it's understandable. Yes, and yeah, whether whether or not you necessarily feel that having access to the internet is a human right, you can. It's hard to deny that it's a seriously emotional issue. People want, at least they want access to the internet, if right. not need access to the internet. So, um, it's definitely something that's going to concern people. And I, I wanted to add 
if I may. Sure. Uh, if you're looking for this, uh, you'll have an easy time finding it. If you go to the Library of Congress's um, website, you can also look for all kinds of um, legislation, United States legislation. It's called Thomas, uh, in the spirit of Thomas Jefferson, mm. goes the uh, the uh, quote at the top of the page. But it's, um, you know, HTTP colon slash slash. There's no W's here. So it's just Thomas T H O M A S dot L O C, that's Library of Congress dot gov, Thomas dot L O C dot gov, and you can look up the status of different bills. Uh, you could see which uh, legislators have introduced what legislation. It's actually a pretty interesting tool. It's very, very useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an easy way to track this one down if you're interested in doing it. They even list the top five weekly pieces of legislation people are looking up. And I would imagine that this one is one of them. Yeah, I'm sure it will rank pretty high up there. Uh, but At least this week. Let's, let's conclude just by saying, remember, according to the Act, this isn't about shutting off the Internet. It's about protecting various parts of the infrastructure from cyber attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's debatable about whether or not that could be extended to the point that it would affect all Americans across right. the United States. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not saying that those worries are completely unfounded. I'm just saying that I think it unlikely to see that scenario happen. Right, right. And I think now that it's become something more in the public eye, People are going to take note and you'll see people writing their legislators and saying, you know, what is going on with this bill? So I think it'll probably be in the news and we'll be seeing more clarification and we'll probably have a 630 page version of the act to read next time we talk about this. Yes. Because that's the way we work. (laughs) So if you guys have any opinions, I'm sure a lot of you have opinions on this subject. I, I have no doubt Please let us know. You can let us know on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle there is TechStuffHSW, or you can send us an email. That address is TechStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again, assuming the government lets us, really soon. (laughs) For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. 
Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.